welcome to episode 113 of Friends of Film, a podcast covering latest news and releases in the movie world. On this episode, we'll cover Wonder Woman 2's villain casting, Chris Hemsworth eyeing a new franchise, my new favorite date of 2018, and more after review Red Sparrow. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by a man who, despite random speculation, is not leaving the podcast, Josh Straley. The haters keep trying to take me down, Cooper, but like a phoenix, I rise again and again. But in this metaphor, I've never fallen, and I'm still flying. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But hey, everyone, don't forget, you can get all of our latest updates on Facebook and Twitter at Friends and Film, and you can check out the rest of our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, or wherever your podcasts are. And if you can, drop into iTunes and leave us a review. It really helps. Absolutely, it does. I mentioned last week, you know, we got a new one. Very much appreciate of that. Hill underscore Hilarious. So if you guys want another shout out like Hilarious did, uh, just leave us a review and we'll be sure to do that for you guys as well. Oh, hey, I just got that. That it that it's hilarious? Yes. Oh. <laughs> well, it's hilarious, but it's Hill. Okay, anyway. Yeah, I thought that was pretty obvious. But anyways, something that is also obvious is my love for Jennifer Lawrence. And we're going to review her latest movie this week. That being Red Sparrow. Uh, I wrote the review for the site. You guys can read it by going to friendsandfilm.wordpress.com and see the full review there. So if you've already read the review, it was published Saturday morning. So you guys may have already read it by the time you guys hear this. You guys may know my thoughts um, where basically I thought Jennifer Lawrence was excellent. But the movie I found a little too slow, a little Mm -hmm. too long, and a little too almost plotty or not even plotty, but maybe focusing not enough on the plot and like throwing certain elements in that's like, okay, didn't really feel like you needed that. Or, um, you're not giving me what I feel like you should be focusing on. You're focusing on other things instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, you know, by pairing up Francis Thorns and Jennifer Lawrence again, uh, fourth pairing after doing catching fire and mocking J part one, mocking J part two. It's a very different movie, obviously for both of them. This one being an R rated spy, mystery thriller uh it's very violent um it's very adult it's definitely not the hunger game style mm-hmm. but i think they still complement each other really well jennifer gives another good performance under his direction and i liked him being able to branch out a little bit more as well going away from the pg-13 realm there with hunger games but also something like i am legend um he really shows that i think there's more francis lords can do than just doing kind of these big you know, blockbusters or dystopian type future movies. Um, he can do something a little gritty or a little, uh, a little more adult and uh, really deliver something. Um, and I thought the part that really, outside of just Jennifer Lawrence alone, I thought when she was with Joel Edgerton in this movie, yeah. that those are my favorite parts because they, them two together, they're great separate, they're great actors, but them together, they felt like they had really good chemistry. Uh, I liked the interplay between both of them especially since they're both undercover spies trying to use the other one for something else. Right. Um, there was a fun uneasiness between them the entire time that just kind of left you, ooh, well, what's going to happen between these people next? Or, you know, is, is she going to win? Is he going to win? Mm-hmm. Um, is she going to recruit him? Is he going to recruit her? What's going to happen? Um, I felt like that was a brought some life to the movie. Yeah. Even if, you know, the rest of it was kind of slow. It ha- the runtime's like 220. So <laughs> right. it definitely, I think it definitely could have been shortened down a little bit. Um, there's like other side plots between like the roommate Lawrence has. Um, 
when she's spying on Joel Edgerton's character. Okay. Like, um, there's a lot of build up to get to like her, her being in spy school and stuff that I think you could have sped through some of that. Um, but it also goes to show that, you know, kind of the hardness that, uh, Dominica uh, has to develop in order to be the successful spy, seductress, killer. Um, but as much as I liked Joel Edgerton and Jennifer Lawrence together, I also found that part of the movie almost as a detraction as well. It was, it was, it was very weird feelings sure. I had about it because when they're together, they're not really focusing that much on the plot of the movie. It's more just like, hey, can I get you to be on my side? Can I get you to be on my side? You know, oh, we're going to maybe be a couple, maybe we're going to do this other thing, try to be friends, go to these social events. And the whole time, like very early on in the movie, they established there's a mole in the Russian government. Mm -hmm. And that's why Jennifer Lawrence is becomes a sparrow. That's what her first mission is to figure out who this mole is. And when they're together, they don't really address that. So then I'm just kind of left like, who is this mole? (laughs) What are we doing to get to this ultimate conclusion? And it felt like they just kind of prolonged a lot of this. And it wasn't until we see her like, with her uncle or with her mom or, you know, back in Sparrow school that we kind of get more of that. Or even when Edgerton is away from her and with the other CIA corp um, operatives and right. you know, the, the UN and everybody that you're like, Oh, okay. So this is what's actually going on. Um, but like that, a lot of that didn't come from them to being together, which I thought was a bit of a problem. Um, and then ultimately we'll, we can discuss this more once we get into spoiler territory, but I didn't love how the whole mole situation was resolved. Um, oh, that like that. Yeah. But that's like the climax or the resolution. Yeah. So you weren't a fan. No. All right. Um, I think you could have had the same results, but do it in a better way. I okay. just like the execution was a little off. Um, and it also, I think it, I don't know, it painted the whole mole problem and uh, Dominique in a different light than I think you could have gone, which I think in my opinion would have made her more interesting if she'd, mm-hmm made the same decision but for a completely different reason um so i think for me it just it, it didn't work as well but there are certain there are certainly things as a spy movie as a thriller that uh on a, on a rewatch i think you'd be like oh, okay they did a nice job setting this up here they they set this up here and maybe there can be you know some a better uh conclusion on a second watch but it's not a movie that i'm dying and you know, to go see again, or gonna, I'm not going to rush out and go see this again in theaters. Probably, it's it's a good movie. It's not great, um, but I think it's one that I can still probably recommend. I'd still watch it again eventually, but again, I'm not rushing out to go see it again this next weekend or something. So, uh, all in all, I'm going to give it three ticket stubs out of five. Mm, okay, awesome. Um, I guess we can dive in a little bit more during spoilers about yes. the parts of the plot because I am curious to okay. know what you think about this. Um, but so. I enjoyed watching all two hours and 20 minutes of this thing. Like, I know you're, you said it was too long. It felt a little too bit. Long. Yeah. I think it, I thought it flowed perfectly. No issues there, but I just do have issues like with what's in it. I mean, I'm not offended by anything that like I saw because like it happened and it was over quickly and it didn't seem to be painted in any problematic. Like, I mean, there are, like you said, it is an adult spy thriller and there's some depic- depictions of like sexual violence and um, like, you know, a couple just like sex scenes that are just felt weird. I mm-hmm. mean, in, in terms of things and like and it happens in those moments that are loosely related to 
the mole problem, the mole plot, which like you said, does get abandoned just so they can have like 10, you know, sexual tension between mm-hmm. Edgerton and Lawrence. And I mean, I, I guess I get that from like the movie making perspective because that's what sparrows are. And right. she like, they'll acknowledge that early on. Um, but the best part of the movie is when Lawrence is being a spy. Um, when she's like, she's, uh, she's snooping, she's uh, setting people up, um, acquiring blackmail and carrying out the mission for Russia. That is the best part of the film. But like you said, it's probably 15, 20 minutes total. Everything else is just backstory training Mm -hmm. and, what is Joel Edgerton up to yeah. <laughs> and things like that. So um, it, it was a little um, annoying, at least in the grand scheme of things, because you're just like, oh, all of this works, but it, it's not the thrilling part of it. And you you don't get a, your pulse never gets above, uh, you know, like it never really raises until the near end of the movie, mm-hmm. um, closing of the third act and the beginning of like, you know, the epilogue or whatever. Yeah. So that's ultimately uh, kind of where I fall on it. But Joel Edgerton, again, the dude is probably the most underrated actor. That's He's, what I said in my review, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah okay, that's probably why I'm pulling it out here. Um, and it is, this is the kind of role that he totally deserves, but also deserves better too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great if he just slides in and does these on the weekend, but like give the guy a comic book hero role or some kind of franchise or something where he can like, or let him go to indie dramas or something, you know, cause mm-hmm. he's an A, he's an A-list talent stuck in C and B movies all the time. And, you know, I felt bad for him having to defend, uh, Bright. magic bright yeah. yes <laughs> this week and him saying oh people didn't like it because it was different no it was just terrible uh <laughs> but let, let's let the guy get to it um lawrence killed it though she, i mean again she just she infuses all of her roles with such emotion i mean th- her katniss performance i guess is sort of transplanted to this a little bit but it takes time to build up confidence and some other things mm-hmm. and it felt right in this kind of world as opposed to um, what the Hunger Games and District 13 was. So like Lawrence and Lawrence back together, excellent. Um, and that is as far as I'm, you know, I'm really willing to go. Jeremy Irons does well. I don't have too much of an issue with the closing. I okay. thought that worked out great, and I thought it set itself up nicely as well, um, especially like in terms of her trying to like – uh, I guess we'll get into spoilers. I don't want to yeah. say anything too far. But um, the prologue, I think, was the most beautiful part of the, the film, though, uh, because it does involve some of the um, her ballerina mm-hmm. uh, performances and things like that as it's paired with some espionage and spy things. And I thought that was a really great parallel structure. Yeah, like, I want to know forward. if that was actually Jennifer doing the dancing because... I know she... She told uh, Stephen Colbert on the Late Show that she had did like a few months of training for it. Okay, I mean, it, you can definitely see her face for parts mm-hmm. of it, um, but you don't know if that's digitally replacing the face of an actress or what it is. But right. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. More than more than half of that is it's like just like a straight on shot of like the stage. Mm-hmm. So 
I would venture to say at least 50% is. Yeah. yeah. But it didn't look like the Margot Robbie and Itania situation no. at all. So, uh, no, it was very different. Very, yeah, major props for that. Um, and then, like I said, I mean, some of those problematic things with like, you know, the violence and things like that just sort of made me think, I don't really know how to feel about that just yet. It wasn't off-putting, but at the same time, like, that's still not great. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the day, I'm going to drop it at two and a half ticket stubs. It's it's not an awful movie, but it's just really not great either. Mm-hmm. Just and middle of the road. Just middle of the road. Um, and that's Red Sparrow. Okay. Let's get into spoilers then so we can kind of talk about this movie freely. Um, and then we'll eventually move on to the news. But since I know this is where you want to go with this, starting off with The Mole. Okay. The Mole is eventually revealed to be Jeremy Irons. Yes. And kind of like the most like anticlimactic way they could have revealed the mole probably um yeah it wasn't like it just pops up it should have been like this oh my gosh moment or something and in my mind the movie set it up really well where it would be the it would be her uncle that was the mole and so them pushing that angle and like he was one of the recruits her to be a sparrow. He's the one that mm-hmm. sends her on this mission. He's yeah. the one that like is kind of like, wait, you guys know there's a mole in the government? Like he's very shady about the whole thing. And when the mole's first discovered, he's Jeremy Irons is like, so the question is, who is this dashingly handsome, confident guy that Joel Edgerton was meeting with? And then they cut to um, her uncle, whose name I yeah, it's do like not Matthias remember. Matthias something. Shunearats. Shunearats? <laughs> sure. I'm going to go with that, okay? Um, the, the character's name is uh, Igorov. Mm-hmm. Um, and it cuts to him, and he's like biting his lip, finger up in his mouth, like, uh, what are you guys looking at me for yeah. type of a deal? And I'm like, oh, it's totally him. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, he's always like, what do you know, um, mm-hmm. Dominica? Tell me what you know. Oh, I'm going to Vienna, where Joel Edgerton just happens to be going to. Right. And I was like, this is so obvious. Why are they just mm-hmm. throwing it out there for us? And then, you know, Jeremy Irons pops up at the hospital in the epilogue. He's like, oh, hey, I'm the bad guy. Right. <laughs> and so for me, think thinking the whole time that, okay, it's, it's Matthias. That's, that's who the mole is. It's super obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then since it wasn't, I was like, okay, fine, whatever. But then she still... She lies basically in yeah. the final handoff and she sets it up so that her uncle is the mole, even though he actually wasn't. Right. And that way, like her and Jeremy Irons can be like this power duo in the Russian government mm-hmm. spying for them yeah. and trying to get back at them for the wrongdoings they've done to the country. Right. And for me, it was just, it felt more like I wish they would have gone the uncle route because. I think she still would have betrayed him anyways and been like, I think that'd be a better character move for Dominica. If she had found out my, Oh, my uncle, the one who forced me into this mm-hmm. is the mole. Yeah. Screw him. Right. I'm still going to, I'm still going to rat him out. I'm still going to turn him in and get, have him be tortured, have him be like, you know, sent off. And that way it would cement her as like this cult, like she's embracing the Red Sparrow yeah. persona that she's been building throughout the entire movie. Instead, it was more like, okay, well, I figured it out and I'm not going to say who it is. I'm just going to, you know, be a little mischievous and set up my uncle, which I think that that was the thing where on a rewatch, all of that stuff she was doing, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you, and they show the the montage of how she set him up and everything. Right. But 
And so I think that could maybe play better on a rewatch, but it was still felt odd to me that she ultimately aligns herself with Jeremy Irons Mm -hmm. to continue to spy on the Russian government instead of still betraying her uncle and then just align yourself with with the Russian government with full intent and support of the country. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of speaks to another one of the issues I had with this thing. And I didn't want to say it earlier, but Dominica, we don't really know what she wants through this whole movie. And the movie is about her. It's from her perspective the entire way through. But all, all we really get from her is I just want to help out my mom. Mm-hmm. I can't be a dancer anymore because I had a, that leg injury oh, was, was nasty. So gruesome. Um, and, uh, sorry, I started picturing it and lost it my mind. It was pretty gross. Yeah. And the, the subsequent surgery on it too, as mm-hmm. well. And then like the pins and needles, I just like yeah. cringed the entire way through. Cause I thought she was never going to walk again. But so that gets set up and you're like, okay, I guess I know enough about her. And then she'll make one statement where like, I don't want to work for these people. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, nobody probably does. That's kind of, that seems to be the theme of everyone. But other than that, we're just kind of left watching her interact with Joel Edgerton or Mm -hmm. uh, Nash and you're like, okay, well, what does Dominica want? She's like, the, the, uh, you're the, I guess part of it is supposed to be, Oh, you don't know. And that's what makes it mysterious. Right. Or maybe even she doesn't know. And sure. She she doesn't know, or is she lying? And, Mm -hmm. but that tension's never really there. It's just the interplay between her and Edgerton. And then it kind of becomes so much less of a thriller as a, um, spy love story. Yeah. Like what if you took all of the action away from a James Bond movie mm-hmm. and left just, you know, the romance and dialogue. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what this movie shapes out to yeah. be in, in a lot of ways, a little bit more eloquently done, I will say and better acted, but still you're just kind of like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. it's just, it's actual, it's, it's truth. And there's no mind games being played up until the end, just with the uncle. Right. Um, but I thought that was clever and I totally dug it. That, it, that she betrayed and like set him up. Right. Cause like when they pulled the mask off and then Edgerton's like, Oh, yep. That's our guy. The, 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 the problem I had with that additionally, not only the care, not only the, the story choice, but like he was like, he had been beat up before that send off basically. Mm-hmm. And so they rip when they pulled the bag off. I was like, who is that guy? Oh, yeah. Like I couldn't recognize his face. Cause like his face is swollen and yeah, like a bunch of scruffle. And I was just like, uh, wait, who is that? And then they showed like the flashback and I was like, Oh, okay. It's him. Mm-hmm. Got it. But like for a split second, I was like, did I forget like an entire character that <laughs> yeah. this movie had included at one point? Um, I hadn't, it was just like, I felt it was another one of those execution things that, um, I think if this movie is better executed, you know, I think it's it's definitely going to be a higher rating. I think it could have, they could have cut out some of that stuff. Um, yeah. But like you know, and going back to this, like I think a lot of the movie, they spend a lot of time kind of showing that Dominica doesn't want to be in this situation to begin with, but right. then she starts growing into the role, especially mm-hmm. when like you know, when she's in Sparrow School, she yeah. gets this other cadet almost rapes her, and she like beats him up because of it, and. Then, like, the instructor, the leader of the school is like, no, like, give him what he wants. And she's just like, well, he wants power, so I'm going to take that away from him in this position. And then, like, he doesn't get what he wants ultimately. And it's like that that was like a moment that was kind of that was – 
you know, it, it cemented her to me as like, no, she's like almost buying into this and she's understanding what she can do as a spy, as a seductress that her eventually, you know, going where she went, it just felt like that was out of character almost. Yeah. Um, especially since like the last time she's with her uncle before the ultimate betrayal, she like kisses him on the lips and like there's like there's that weird sexual tension between them like for most of the movie like he's always maybe like wanted her or yeah, like there's something there's an implied um, past or something yeah like and you're like, like okay that. and the, that just that was another one of those reasons where it's like okay if he's the mole then like she's not gonna protect him because she hates him right so like it, it was again like I, I understand completely why she betrayed him mm-hmm. but I guess the reasoning behind deciding to do it didn't make sense to me. Yeah, because, I mean, she goes from, like you said, seemingly embracing her role as a part of Russia to then somehow, somewhat randomly, because there's really no development between that moment and the end where it's revealed that she actually just set him up Yeah, and as the fall guy for the mole. And this is sort of like, so what did she want in the end? Because she doesn't end up being with Edgerton. Obviously, she doesn't escape to America. Mm -hmm. She decides, okay, we'll go ahead and work with, work on the inside to bring down, I guess, the president who, I mean, yeah. Um, Which also, I mean, sorry. No, go ahead. Because I just thought of this. Because she's like, she took all that time to set him up. Like, it shows that that even before she knew that Jeremy Irons was the mole, she was going to set him up to be the fall guy regardless of who the actual identity of the mole was so it's like if she's already made that choice that he's the mole he's i'm gonna pin all this on him why not just make him the actual mole and just be like screw you uncle right i hate you yeah and you're going away anyways like it's it's, that that has it has power to it instead of just like a uh, okay i'm just you know thankfully Jeremy Irons is kind of a nice guy. So, you know, mm-hmm. I won't, <laughs> he wants to team up with me right. instead of kill me because I know of his identity. Like it just did, again, it just doesn't really add up, I guess. It, it wants to have, it wants to have it both ways. It wants her to be able to have Edgerton or um, Nash not be upset with her. And then also Dominica be able to pull off being a super spy mm-hmm. as well as, um, be able to stick around in Russia and right. still be a sparrow. And it felt like you needed to make a choice between one of those mm-hmm. two. Yeah. And she never really does. And they, 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 it just kind of, the tension just let takes the easy way out. Mm-hmm. Cause like, even like one of like where the movie really kicked into high gear and like, you know, I saw this movie like a 10 o'clock showing at night opening night. And I was, so it's like, you know, it's getting late during the screening and like, but the kitchen scene, it's like that's where I'm like okay I'm I'm definitely awake yeah because like it was brutal it was um, super violent mm-hmm. it was intense but also like it was one of those moments where you're like oh shoot where's Nash oh that assassin guy has him again oh no this is not gonna <laughs> end well for him and then like she starts playing along with it and you're like yeah oh she's like she's committing she's going in and then uh, then again she's like oh can you get me this nope I'm gonna like start attacking you and you're just like. Oh, so you're not again. You're still not go. You're not. You're not choosing one way or the other. You're kind of just going along for the ride almost. And yeah, didn't love that. No, not at all. Um, 
one th- I have one final thing okay. to note. Um, Mary Louise Parker as the drunk senator, uh, chief of staff. Mm-hmm. Excellent. <laughs> she is great. Um, West Wing alum, along with so many other accolades, but just love, yeah, her her boozy character coming in and being like, "All right, let me just sell these secret documents or whatever." Right. Those were that was that was a great moment. That, that was that, that was a good scene. I'll agree with you there. But like you said, it did distract, and it was kind of like airdropped from right. some other movie, and then she just gets run over by a car. And you're like, okay, yeah, um, yeah. I mean. You guys can do with this review what you want. I'd, again, I don't think it's an easy recommendation for everybody, but if you enjoy spy movies or spy thrillers or just Jennifer Lawrence or you want to see what Francis Lawrence is up to or you're a Joel Edgerton fan like me and Josh are, then go check it out. Make an opinion for yourself. I've seen some people rave about this movie. Be like, it's you know, it's it's an, it's an incredible spy thriller. It's so gripping. Uh, it hooked me from the, or very early on tell other people who absolutely hate the movie so i mean it's wide-ranging opinions that's how movies are in general but uh go see it and make up your mind for yourself and then let us know what you guys think about it as well two and a half ticket stubs for josh three ticket stubs for me and that's all we have for our view of red sparrow so we'll be right back in a bit with the news back with the news and as always we're gonna start with ticket or skip it this week we only have one movie to give a ticket to or skip it and i'll say it right now it's a ticket for me on the first teaser trailer for wreck it ralph oh boy. Or, sorry ralph breaks the internet wreck it ralph 2 oh, yeah that's right uh very weird title but not a weird trailer it was so good uh, I loved how they implemented the whole internet theme mm-hmm. um, or that the, that story element, the pop-up ads, how they <laughs> used those I thought were genius. Yeah. Um, I, I I can't wait to see what else this movie has and, you know, go play. They still hit on like gaming culture with, you know, mobile games now <laughs> and <Right>. the, <laughs> the, the, the pancake and milkshake, milkshake. and yeah. the, man, like every time like I have, like I just bust off and he's like, no pancakes aren't for the bunny pancakes <laughs> right. are or the the bunny gets the pancakes yeah. and like it just like slowly just engulfs it <laughs> yes. it's uh it's so funny and i mean yeah i'm, I'm, so, I'm so here for this i love the first record ralph john c Riley, and sarah silverman being back mm-hmm. it, it's an easy buy it's yeah. an easy ticket totally uh yeah you know, like i said i mean yeah ticket a thousand percent ticket total ticket um the incorporations of how they're going to do the internet shows enough without showing mm-hmm. too much, which is what I want. Um, cause it's easy to be like pop up ads. Got it. eBay. It's run like an auction. Mm-hmm. Perfect. But don't give away any of the, Oh, that's genius moments. Well, they don't really give away much of the story and no story, no issues whatsoever. So that's, that's the, it's the best teaser possible. Yep. But I do got to say, I didn't see a lick of them in this film. Oh, I need my Jack McBrayer as fix, fix it, Felix. Yes, Junior. Yes, because <laughs> very he, important. He is. He's just my absolute favorite, and I, he's got to be back. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I and mean, Jane this, Lynch is Calhoun. I mean, they're both oh, in there. So. Yes. Oh, good. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the possibilities are endless. I know they have cameos lined up for their entire slate of Disney films. Mm-hmm. So just yeah, very excited, and it's probably Disney Animation's 
Yeah, it's the it's the most Pixar Disney film animation movie that's from Disney Animation, and I agree with that. The 2012 film, uh, I still just it's it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, easy ticket for both of us on Wreck It Ralph two. Now moving to the actual news, and we got some potential big casting this week. Uh, which kind of started early in the week with that hashtag show revealing that Cheetah will be the big bad in One Woman 2. And at that time, they revealed that Emma Stone was being courted for the role, but that she had ultimately already passed on it. Well, since that role is still open, or at least was, apparently Patty Jenkins pushed hard, according to Deadline, and she is now in talks to get Kristen Wiig to play the villainous role I think the real name for the character is Barbara Ann Minerva. Um, she's like a archaeologist, scientist, world traveler um, sort of character who you know gets becomes a cheetah person, okay. and uh, that is potentially who's going to play cheetah in the sequel. Fire. Josh, are you on board for this? Yes, I'm totally on board with this. I if the Christian Wig bandwagon had a band leader. It's you. It's me. It, okay, it's probably not me, but it's. it's I want it to be me. She is. I, her comedy is probably some of the best SNL has ever had. Her, her Fallon and Faye, um, three stars. I mean, well, Farrell as well. Too. I mean, there's just uh, Kristen Wiig is one of the greats um, in comedy. Uh, just hands down. I mean, Bridesmaids, of course. Like everyone's going to remember that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also just extremely hilarious in every other thing she does. And I think this is the perfect term for her. She had a small role in Darinovsky's mother with Lawrence, mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence. Um, and you saw these glimpses of like what she can do and the, like w- what she's able to pull off in a darker role, especially when she leads that execution. Yeah. Line. Jeez. Um, so I, I, I mean, she's being directed by Patty Jenkins. So if you're like, oh, well, but I don't know if she can still do serious. Like, Patty Jenkins directed an Oscar-winning actress. She can direct um, a very talented comedian uh, because I think comedy is the hardest thing you can ever act for. At least mm-hmm. that's what they say. That is what they um, say. And Steve Carell made the turn. <laughs> if Steve Carell can make the turn after eight years, six years mm-hmm. on The Office, Kristen Wiig can do it too. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm. I still don't know how to feel about this mixed reaction. Yeah, camp? okay. Initially, it was just like, okay, left field. Yeah, like if you know, a week ago we had done a big question: who should play Cheetah? Yeah, in one or two. Give top fifty lists. Kristen Wiig would not have been in my top fifty, just because she's not what I think of when I think of Cheetah. You know, she Cheetah has all of this baggage, like all mm-hmm. of this, just like. Like she has this really rough life where she's cursed with, you know, this ability and this like hunger that it just doesn't. That's not what I envision Crystal Wig as. And I can envision Crystal Wig as somebody who's hilarious, who cracks jokes all the time. Right. And so when then it's like Kristen Wig's gonna play Cheetah. Is Cheetah all of a sudden like a fun quippy sidekick character? Mm-hmm. No, she's still the big bad. Okay, so then like it it's. It's on Kristen Wiig's shoulders, I guess, to prove not to prove me wrong, because I think she can still. I think she's super talented. Yeah. So I don't have the doubt that she can do a serious turn. Okay. I mean, I've, I've, we've seen her do some serious mm-hmm. movies. 
even if comedy is her forte, but we haven't seen her do that villain, that that anger, the power, the everything else that comes with that sort of a role. Yeah. So that's where the hesitation comes for me. But like you mentioned, this movie is going to be directed by Patty Jenkins again. She's the she, Patty Jenkins is the one who wants Kristen Wiig, mm-hmm. not the studio. Yeah. So they're not like, oh, let's get Kristen Wiig because she's popular. It's like, no, like Patty Jenkins wants Kristen Wiig. The studio wanted Emma Stone. Like. I understand. I can totally see why the studio would want Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. I think Emma Stone would have been great. She does. She she checks all the boxes for me. Right. Kristen Wiig doesn't necessarily, but I have all the faith in Patty Jenkins that she can pull a great performance out of her. And that's where I'm putting my faith at this point in Kristen Wiig or not or in Patty Jenkins more so than in Kristen Wiig's dramatic or villain ability at this point. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to the look of Cheetah, do you want them to do like all practical and have her just like in this crazy elaborate makeup or should it be a CG creation, some sort of hybrid Hmm. or do you not really have a preference? I don't know. Does she ever transform? She transform into Cheetah like when she needs to, or is it just like she becomes Cheetah and she's Cheetah forever yeah. yeah she's basically just cheetah forever i mean okay. there's i think there's points where she stops being cheetah yeah but she's like you know 90 percent of the time she's cheetah not, not like a werewolf situation but maybe like i, I think, think i think it's almost like reverse werewolf or like oh. on certain occasions she, she like the, the curse is lifted or okay. like you know magic could take the curse away for a little bit but then if you know something happens again then that hunger is there and then she gets, she transforms again. Okay. So. I mean, I think you probably have to go CG, but I mean, um, go practical anytime you can. You've, yeah. You're, you're Hollywood. You can do it. And I mean, I don't know how Wonder Woman's going to get the biggest budget of all DC films now. Um, and make use of it. Mm-hmm. I say, yeah, I, th- I think for me, I think the best way to go is to be some sort of hybrid where you do a lot of makeup on Kristen Wiig. You, do a lot of fur and prosthesis and everything. Right. Whatever and then, goes into it. You know, then in post you, you liven it up, you color it up, you um, animate it, um, do some CGI enhancements to her eyes to, you know, obviously for claws or whatever um, and do it that way. Other than just be like, all right, well, we're going to put you in a cheetah suit, Kristen Wiig and now run around. <laughs> like, I don't think, I don't it's think actually that like a fur, like cheetah suit. You'd exactly. see in costume shop. Like I saw, um, boss logic who's like you know a super famous uh internet photoshop person who like does a lot of like fan art uh he basically took the design from avatar and uh zoe saldana's character was like put fur design on her and made it look like a cheetah i was like you know if that's the design they went with and it was all cg i could get behind it but then i could also see them finding a way doing something similar like killer croc almost where they just do it's this almost mold. It's this suit basically. And that's how Kristen Wiig becomes Cheetah. But either way, we'll have to wait to see if this deal closes or not. Um, but if it does, I think it's definitely an interesting uh, left field choice to kick off Wonder Woman 2. Yeah. And you know what? I think it's good just because we have something to like look forward to. Now, now not only is it just be like, it's Godot and Jenkins. They got this. But mm-hmm. now it's like Wigs here. Can she do it? Like, and that's gonna be like, right. I want to see that now. But like, 
I think if right. they cast like Charlize Theron or Emma Stone yeah, or that's Bryce Dallas Howard mm-hmm. or Jessica Chains, it's not like, oh, can she do it? It's like, how good will they do it? Right. Now it's like a, it's a wild card. It could, it could work great for them. It could, it could absolutely go yeah. great. I don't like the comparison that, you know, everybody's been throwing out. Like, well, everybody laughed at Heath Ledger when he's cast as Joker. Not every, nobody's going to be the Joker again. <laughs> like, right. Not every out of, out of left field casting is going to give you an Oscar worthy performance. But who's to say that Kristen Wiig won't be a great cheetah on her own right? Um, so moving on to Sony, they're looking to relaunch Men in Black. We talked a couple weeks ago that F. Gary Gray is going to be directing this movie. And now the Hollywood Reporter reports that Chris Hemsworth is in talks to star as the new lead of the spinoff. He would obviously be the main role. And the movie is going to take place in London. And also he will have a team that includes him, a black female character, and an older man with an unspecified ethnicity. So Chris Hemsworth doing men in black action comedy F Gary gray. What do you think? Yes, totally. I think it's perfect. I wouldn't Chris Hemsworth is like, it wasn't thinking about him. I was thinking mm-hmm. of like an older or up and coming like action star, but Chris Hemsworth is technically an action star. Oh yeah. I, I mean, but I mean, I don't think of him that way, but I think this is perfect. As long as he gets to be jokey, fun. I'm Chris Hemsworth, Australian mm. mate, not <laughs> like super serious black hat Chris Hemsworth, because no. that's the worst version ever. Yeah. Except for the Rush version, that's yeah. that's a good version Which, too. Yeah, maybe his best version. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but that's him being like, I'm Chris Hemsworth, very suave mm-hmm. and stylish yeah, type yeah. guy. But also, I like racing, and I don't like that guy over mm-hmm. there in that car. So, um, but yeah, no, I think this is going to be great. Uh, as I hope the comedy tone stays. Or yeah. I mean, whatever it's going to be. I mean, well, I know. F, I mean, F I know. Gray, I know you're concerned about this. I'm because it needs to be. I think it needs to be funny before it be before it becomes action. I mean, sh- and that's the only thing I'm worrying about with F. Gary Gray. But I mean, that script and writers, and I mean, maybe F. Gary Gray has dream is to direct hilarious comedies, and we're gonna get um anchorman three directed by him and be like oh it makes perfect sense after this film comes out so i'm willing to you know um buy in because directors are talented people i mean Mm -hmm. that's why they have the jobs so i I trust that's gonna go that way but uh hemsworth being in there after knowing that he wants to do comedy actually you know moves the push pushes the movie up on my this is not gonna be is not going to implode on itself you know right thing for sony yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, looking at F.K. Gray's filmography, you know, one of his earliest directorial movies was Friday, the comedy with uh, Ice Cube and Chris Tucker. I've never seen it. That like That's where, like, the that one gif of them going, like, uh, dang, like, that's where that comes from, is from that movie. Um, but then also, like, you know, he's done other, like, more fun movies, like, you know, Italian Job, he's done... Um, you knew Strader Compton while a drama for sure. I think you'd classify that as it definitely has comedic yes, moments. For sure. Um, and I mean, even fate of the furious is, you know, wacky as that movie is there's, there are jokes in there intentional or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Statham rock stuff is good. Yeah. So I, I, I don't have that concern. And, uh, I mean, as, as you do, 
that the movie won't be comedic. And I think Hemsworth signing on definitely shows they're going to go comedic route because if anything, in the last couple of years, Hemsworth has shown that he is a more comedic talent than he is an action talent or a drama talent. You know, he is mm-hmm. really shining in a small role in the vacation reboot, a small role in Ghostbusters, Thor Ragnarok, where he really got to be funny with Taika Waititi. You know, a lot of people probably think that's the, his best movie. That's his best role. It's his best performance. So yeah. him coming on board men in black in the aftermath of that, I think is a no brainer. Uh, I like the fact that the movie's going to take place in London because I think a couple of, you know, whenever we talked about like what this movie could potentially be about, it was like, this is about the expansion of the men in black universe. We're like, Oh no, what does this mean? And I think that's what this is. It's not like, all right, we're going to blow this up and it's the men in black saving the world. I think Mm -hmm. it's more like, no, we're expanding it to be like, okay, they had a headquarters in New York, but like, here's the London, here's the London branch. And then eventually we can get like, here's the Russian branch. Here's the Australian branch. You know, we can go all over the world. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a great way to make this a fun franchise. Um, that could eventually, you know, it could be a cinematic universe of sorts yeah. because you could do all of these different offshoots in all these different parts of the world that you can still be like, here, here's this crisis that this specific, you know, group of the men in black are mm-hmm. trying to save. Right. And then, but nobody else is worrying about it because they're also worrying about this other complete threat in the other part of the galaxy and the other part of the world. Yeah. So I think that's, again, that gives me more encouragement to Sony's, hopeful mm-hmm. franchise thinking i mean that could just me be me projecting my thoughts onto what this means um because it's not they haven't confirmed that that's absolutely the case it could just be oh yeah these are the, the new york kids and they have to go to london right. and it's like oh well then yeah none of what i just said matters that's a kingsman type situation where basically like, oh boy it's like, oh, yeah, oh we blew up our base now i have to go somewhere else a whole new cast of actors is a, the the best idea ever as long as no homages to the old people unless mm-hmm. you want if you want to wink at them sure go for it you gotta say Will Smith the greatest agent of all time and then you get right. onto your plot that's great but who yeah. else fills out his team who fill, else fills out his team what else do they need black, they need? black female and an older male <clears throat> let's see well they're in London so uh, Nathalia Emmanuel or Jujuman Bothra two British. Um, black females, mm-hmm. and then they need an old dude, uh, Robert De Niro. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that happening. I think you could do it. Robert, yeah, Robert De Niro, dude. The dude did Dirty Grandpa with that's Zach true. Efron. That is he true. He is, he is, he's open to things. That's um for sure. John Lithgow would be a great pick. Um, you're going like real old. Oh, I mean, what are they thinking? Like sixty? I don't know. Mark Wahlberg, he's up like, there in I, years. He's not 60. He's like in his 40s. Mm, My there. suggestion uh, for oh, both of these. Heck, we should get Ice Cube. Ice Cube would be great. Except, again, it would ruin the potential MIB 23 movie, which, side side tangent. That's true. Chris Hemsworth plus Tatum and Hill sign me up for that oh, crossover yes. in six years. <laughs> that is That would be an incredible pairing, especially if they do what I hope they do. And for the black female lead, they do Tiffany Haddish. Ooh, perfect. Because that's just a no-brainer. Yeah. But also, and I think this would be genius on their part, because if they do Tiffany Haddish or even like Gugu Mbatha-Raw mm-hmm. or Janelle Monet or whoever, it's if you're casting the similar age to Chris Hemsworth, guess what? There's a love interest right there. There's that back and forth, oh, do you love me? Do you love me not? Sort of thing. I've even seen Tessa Thompson's name been suggested oh, because be they already have that chemistry from Thor Ragnarok. 
it'd be easy but it still has that love stuff there that i don't necessarily want to have in that group dynamic yeah so go Letitia Wright, go go younger. Oh, and she's breaking out on Black Panther. Then you know she could take over the mantle of Men in Black franchise and be like, "All right, Hemsworth, you've got this under control. I'm going to go be the head of some other agency right. in some other part of the country." Yeah. Uh, I think that would be a great way to go. And then for the for the older man, and since it's London, I think you had to go British. Colin Firth. Oh, yeah. Get, get, bring it. Take the Kingsman tie, just bring him over, and it'd be great. Or Ralph Fiennes, too. He would Ralph be great. Ralph would be fun, yeah. Okay, so just English, English gentlemen. Or like um, even Hugh Grant. He was delightful in Paddington, oh, too. yes. But um, I think they'd probably want to go a little bit bigger, not necessarily that Hugh Grant's not a big name, but I think Colin Firth has more heat on him at the moment than Hugh Grant does. So that's those are my suggestions. Hugh I mean, Laurie as well. I think they do can pull off a British accent. I'm not sure if he's actually from the UK, yeah. but he would be great too. Yeah. I mean, I think Nathan Lane, I Nathan think there's, Lane. there's a, there's a lot of good options out there. Endless possibilities. So we'll have to wait and see uh, what happens with those. I mean, depending on the shooting schedule, now that Chris Hemsworth is attached, we could start getting cast information very quickly on this project. Somebody we will not be getting casting info on for a while, potentially, or we're going to need casting info on for sure is who's going to play the new Scarface because according to Deadline, Antoine Fuqua is back in talks to direct Universal mm. Scarface reboot after previously being in talks, then falling out of talks, and David Ayer was in talks, and then he fell out of talks. <laughs> Antoine Fuqua's back. There we go. And uh, he's still currently finished up Equalizer 2, which comes out this summer. So this won't happen immediately if the deal closes, but because of the inevitable delay that's happening, uh, it doesn't even have a release date at this point. It looks as though Diego Luna will no longer star in this movie, um, which I know you were really excited for when this was initially announced. So, Antoine Fuqua being in, Diego Luna probably being out. Where are you landing on this? Oh, my feelings? Um, yeah, I mean, listen, like I was really high on Diego Luna mm-hmm. when this news came out because he had just crushed it in Rogue One. I'm still waiting to see what the dude's got. Flatliners was already like in the can but yeah. when Rogue One when he picked up his Rogue One role and things like that. Um, so I'm looking forward to like what he's got next. And he's got three films in 2018, so I'm waiting on those. And him starring in Scarface was going to be awesome, but I think it's like a necessary loss if we're going to get this movie anyway with right. uh, Fuqua. Um, it's because I don't think the studio like ended up, I think they ended up souring on him anyway. Um, but I think if you get Pedro Pascal... Hmm? swap because i mean luna's on narcos now is that two on the nose because he's already like done narcos and like he's done all that drug stuff that like it's almost stunt casting kind of but pedro pascal is the most undercast guy ever and he's he's, he's, he's the best actor who's the most who just no one casts in films like his um kingsman role was great, oh, yeah, but super small. ended up being just well, actually, like, I, it was bigger than I thought it was going to be. I'll take that back. Yes, because yeah, it turns into a whole <laughs> thing. But um, he didn't get to be, he didn't get to really act except for being a character. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see him pick up that. And like, yeah, maybe it is too on the nose, and like, maybe that's why my name jumped to him immediately. But right. also, I just, I just love the dude, and I think he could really crush a, a big dramatic role like that. Um, but I'm excited that Fuqua's back. Um, sad to see Luna go, but also Luna's got 
a job on Narcos now. So mm-hmm. I get to see him year to year, episode to episode, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm excited that Fuqua's coming back um, to do this potentially. The deal hasn't closed yet, so this could fall apart. But the fact that he's coming back to it uh, and he was the initial guy, I think, shows that Universal wants him. He's interested in the project, obviously. So I think if this is going to happen. Uh, Diego Luna, yeah, I think he would have been a good uh, lead for this. But I think you can still find other people to do this role. I don't know if mm-hmm. you want to go – a more high profile route and you stick in the Star Wars family, you just get Oscar Isaac to do it and Ooh. you just see him make a little crazy turn, which I think he would absolutely kill, but I don't know if they're, I feel like they'll want that high profile name to re, to redo Scarface. Um, but if they want to go a little more unknown, you could even get like Jay Hernandez oh, yeah. um, from like Suicide Squad, but I think he just was cast as like the new Magnum PI or something on TV. So his schedule Ooh. may be a little busy. But you know, if not, like I think, I think he'd be a great way to go. Um, I can't really think of anybody else. I mean, if you want to go reach a little farther down, uh, all the money in the world had Romaine Duris in it. He was like the kidnapper that was like a good oh. friend. I thought he was excellent in that movie. I would not be mad if he was eventually cast in the role. But I think he he's like in his forties. I don't know if he's too old for that part, or if he's just too unknown, or if it's a combination of both. What was the Original Scarface age, 30, 25, 30, somewhere in there? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how old uh, Pacino was at that point. Hmm. But, I, f- I mean, he, he has that veteran presence. So, I, I don't know. I, I If I had to put my money on it, I feel like Oscar Isaacs is the, the, the bet because I've, he's, he's the biggest Latino actor currently, in my opinion. Yeah. So, I don't know why they wouldn't go in that direction. But I don't know what Oscar's, Oscar Isaac's filming schedule is like when this movie's going to film. I mean, he's obviously going to do Star Wars 9 in July, run that through the end of the year. So he can't, he won't be able to film this project till the end of this year, yep. early next year, um, which could work out scheduling wise. Um, yeah, but, he needs to make an Oscar push again. No pun intended. Which, I mean, taking on Scarface, you could really go to some depths into that movie. Yeah. And, get him that especially me like in the um in the moment too now with that film coming out and then with the hype around him especially because he's so charismatic mm-hmm. like him like you know buying him as a wide-eyed um idealistic immigrant who then you know spirals out of control and gets in over his head and then mm-hmm. ultimately goes down swinging in a pile of cocaine yeah right who, who doesn't want to see that shot of oscar mm-hmm. isaac um especially with his full-on beard. He needs to grow that out again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, yes. So, moving on then to Quentin Tarantino. Sony confirmed this week that Tarantino's new movie, which now is officially titled Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, has officially cast Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt as the lead roles. DiCaprio will be the lead, starring as a former Western TV star. And then Pitt is his stuntman. Uh, the movie's set in the 70s, I believe, or late 60s. Whenever the Manson murders were happening. Yes. But also, like, yeah, I think I think it's end of 60s. Um, and how them, them, both of them tie into the whole Manson murder story that's going to be kind of a backdrop to this movie um, because Pitt's character is the neighbor to Sharon Tate. Oh. So... <laughs> Uh, there we go. Margot Robbie has been continually talked about as being the front runner to get that role. Uh, there's no word yet on if that deal is going to close, but DiCaprio, Pitt, reteaming with Tarantino. Good news? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, Brad Pitt um, in his last Tarantino movie got robbed of an Oscar. Uh, it, it, that, that accent was spot on. It was old timey and so New Yorker. Uh, perfect in, in so many ways. Um, so yeah, seeing him back in there. And then of course, DiCaprio's Django Unchained role. These two, uh, I mean, they're both they're A-list actors mm-hmm. who know how to crush it in the style of film that Tarantino always likes. It's extremely serious, but also jesty and mm-hmm. uh, whimsical. It's a, a, darking, a darker whimsicality yes. to them in a lot of ways. So I think they're a perfect fit, don't you? Yeah, I mean, they're obviously, can't deny the talents there. I still think, especially knowing the descriptions of their characters, I think Tom Cruise as the stuntman back in those days. Yeah. I think it's, that's so on the nose that it would have been incredible <laughs> to see Tom Cruise, like the stunt guy currently, right. going back and being in a Tarantino movie and you know being a stunt guy for Leonardo DiCaprio I think would have been incredible. But, I mean, it's, it's Brad Pitt. I'm not going to say no to Brad Pitt in any movies. So, uh, yeah, I think it's great. I can't wait to see who else they cast in this. Obviously, I mean, it's a reunion for both of them. They, I mean, you mentioned how great they were in both of their movies that they were in. Um, so yeah, I think there's, I think this is obviously good news. Want to see more. And I think the title is excellent. I think once upon a time in Hollywood is just like a super clean, but classy and like very Tarantino title. Uh, so I think, I think uh, so far every, it's, it's all good news. Which yeah, is great. Absolutely. Yeah. I do. The, the title is good too. It kind, of, it kind of invokes a little bit of like, like calls back to the Westerns and everything. Like yeah. once upon a time in the West. And it reminds me of Hail Caesar. I think that's kind of why. Only it's more like this is what they should have gone with for that title, the Coen <laughs> yeah. Brothers. It would have been a little bit more, um, uh, you know, uh, elegant, I suppose. So, but with whatever happens in this film, juxtaposed to this "Once Upon a Time" type mm-hmm. of a deal, uh, it just kind of says like, because like the '60s is when the Manson murders were okay. going on, the late '60s. And at least my impression from everyone I hear talk about that era is the coke fueled directors mm-hmm. and cigarettes and all sorts of other things, you know. So it's going to have that, oh, it's Hollywood, baby, type of an attitude right. to everything. And then, like, when you dig into the surface, it's like, oh, everyone's on drugs here mm-hmm. and everyone's an alcoholic. Okay. And then it just kind of spirals out to, then there's Manson murders. <laughs> right. Uh, lots of fun to be had with this movie. Uh, we'll surely be getting, now that DiCaprio and Pitt are on board, we'll absolutely be getting more casting info in the coming weeks. And we got some surprising news this week that I am ecstatic about. Infinity War is coming a week early. Marvel announced in a very clever way, I may add, that Avengers Infinity War is now going to hit theaters worldwide on April 27th instead of hitting overseas on April 27th and then domestic audiences like us having to wait until March 4th to see it. It's it's April 27th all the way around. I'm thrilled yeah. because it means even less time. I have to be careful and make sure I live. <laughs> I just shaved off a week. Now right. I can be reckless a week earlier Yes, because I've seen Infinity War. And you get a whole another week too to see the movie mm-hmm. or, well, yeah, no. Yeah. I don't know how that works. Because I think it's still technically in theaters for like the six months or whatever. But you get to see it for a whole week longer before you start to see Solo for a whole week longer. And it's perfect. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Solo's release date didn't change, even though I think this could open up that conversation again. Because if Disney's wanted to move Infinity War a week, why not? I mean, that's the only thing. 
the summer's already so packed. I don't know how you could shift yeah. solo a week and have it be a benefit to them. So unless you wanted to get a Deadpool second weekend, which I think is, could be a fair argument to be made, but infinity war is coming a week early. I think that's Woo-hoo. great because get to see it sooner, but also no spoilers. <gasps> that's right. Because now it's coming out worldwide. That was the thing I was dreading. It was like, okay, do I fly to England? Mm-hmm just to go see this movie early so I don't have to avoid the internet and avoid my 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 second job. Oh, goodness. Because if it had come out overseas, there'd right. be think pieces, there would be spoiler articles of, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. Who died? What did the post-credits scenes right. mean? And I would, I would just have to shut off. I'd have to go dark for an entire week because stuff would be out there on every major news outlet, especially the ones that cover movies mm-hmm. because they have people overseas that can see the movie early. Right. And it would just be impossible yeah to avoid and there's one thing we do know the british media does not know how to <laughs> play spoil play no. play play nice with spoilers like yeah. the john boyega reaction video from episode eight it's still yeah, a so, classic uh, <laughs> yeah so yoda's in this movie uh, holly holly what? holly well, no, let the fans find out but but that's they out know. there but it's like no it's not <laughs> nobody knows that so great um but yeah that's so that's yeah. absolutely correct i i'm i'm very happy about that um is the premiere date then the 20th i don't now? know about that because in the, or, the there was like the conversation where it's like no premiere they, well they were premiere, like uh, but no marvel, week early premiere yeah that's i don't know like marvel studios was like who's excited for may 4th and rob Downey drew replied oh i am mm-hmm. and he's like but anyway i can see it early and he's like she's like oh yeah they're like yeah, oh yeah you can go see it april 27th i was like oh that must be the world premiere red yeah. carpet all that stuff, whatever. And then he's like, what about my friends? <laughs> and it's like Avengers gift. He's like, well, no, I mean like all of my friends. It's like, yeah, it's like, I raised that question. Wait, does like, is it everybody? Like, yeah. are they not going to do like press screenings? Are they not, like, that would just blow my mind. Yes. But in the best way possible, because it's not like, oh, I have to like hear all these, like, I hope fingers crossed raving reviews about the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like, this movie doesn't need, a 96% Rotten Tomatoes. It doesn't need anything. Yeah. It just needs a second trailer in about a week, probably be like, guys go buy your tickets Mm -hmm. and come show up to the theaters on April 27th or actually, actually April 26th (laughs) for the opening night showings and go see this movie. Um, That's absolutely what I'll be doing. Uh, I got to figure out my ticket plans ASAP because I want the best seats possible for the earliest possible showing that I can get for this movie. And additionally, Disney also gave a bunch of new release dates for movies, including announcing release dates for Marvel Cinematic Universe movies out till 2022, three a year, including 2020, 2021, 2022. Um, You know, it's like February, May, july or it's like march may november and then just like flip-flops basically that's basically how the schedule goes down we don't know what movies those are but it just guarantees that you know hey (laughs) avengers 4 is not the end we're gonna get a lot more stuff obviously and it shows that you know they already they're already planning for all of that stuff we don't know what those movies are going to be but we'll find out eventually and be like oh so that so this movie goes here the movie goes here Mm mm-hmm and it just all makes perfect sense. The timeline is being constructed again. Exactly. Phase the, four on the way. Yeah. Do you do you call it phase? You call it phase four? That's I mean that's what I call it currently. Oh. Kevin Kevin Feige's base said like, well, I don't know if we're going to do phases. It's like, what does that mean? A whole is new it just thing. like here's twenty years of movies? No phase. It's all one phase. It's all just a thing. It's a uh, 
it raises a bunch of questions. Maybe they should call them like I think like story arcs. Like this is the Thanos arc, and this maybe. next one's gonna be the Galacticus arc. Maybe like I could I, run I could series. see that. But like, I think even if they did that, as long as they still have an Avengers movie or some epic team up every mm-hmm. three years, yeah. I think fans, especially myself, will still refer to them in phases. Whether they refer to them as phase four, phase five, phase six, or if it's just like, all right, here is X-Men. This is our X-Men world, our X-Men run. It's like, oh, okay. The introduction of mutants and the Fantastic Four and all this stuff. Uh, I, I, th- I think that makes sense. That's a good way to do it. And just kind of, you can lump in so much stuff. Um, but also I love the phase aspect of it. Cause it's like, all right, we're all building to this one event. Yeah. And now we're starting to build to another event. Right. But then it's like, here's the mega event. And it's like, oh yes, the mega, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's excellent, but yeah. it's exciting. So, uh, moving then to, the other mentioned how maybe X-Men could be introduced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, the Howard Reporter did an article this week about Fox's long-term plans for the X-Men, and they aren't stopping. Despite the looming Disney deal, they revealed this week that Fox is developing a solo Silver Surfer movie written by Brian K. Vaughn, and that the studio is currently planning to release three movies in both 2019 and 2020. We know that New Mutants currently is scheduled to come out in 2019. Gambit is currently scheduled to come out in 2019. Probably X-Force in 2019 as well. But then there's three more movies. What will they be? Will they even happen? Does it matter? I don't know. That's a lot of movies. Especially for a studio that doesn't technically... Is supposed to be ready to integrate or should be preparing themselves for integration or assimilation. That's what Mm -hmm. it is. I was searching for like an alien (laughs) term there. Uh Holy smokes, lots of stuff. And so half of it sounds like garbage. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, did you, I mean, uh, uh, um, Silver Surfer? Yeah. I think Silver Surfer could be a good movie. I think you could make a Silver Surfer movie on its own. Chrome Dome with just pecs and abs and biceps. There's more, there's more to him than just that, but yeah. But I mean, does he have like a, you know, sad past where he was once a human person. And then, I mean, his sad past is like that, like he because basically becomes enslaved to, to like save his race. Like he has to go hunt out other planets and civilizations for Galactus to eat and destroy. And it, cause if he doesn't, then Galactus is going to eat his entire planet, which includes like his family, his friends, like all that stuff. So like there's some, there's some tragedy there. Um, James Gunn at one point wrote a script for Silver Surfer oh, back wow. in the day. Who knows if that would be incorporated into the Marvel Cinematic Universe after mm-hmm. this deal closes. But I mean, on its own, Brian K. Vaughn is a great comic writer. So him writing a comic book movie is interesting, just like how Brian Michael Bendis is writing that Kitty Pride movie apparently. Like, it's an interesting move by Fox to bring in these comic writers to write movie scripts for them. But like you said, I don't see half these, I don't see many of these movies happening because if the Disney deal closes at the end of this year or early next year, as it's currently projected to, then any movie that's not in production uh, is not happening, in my opinion. So maybe they'll be able to squeak at or squeeze X-Force in before the deal closes and get that filming. So that way they can still have some sort of Deadpool trilogy right. Closure under their the belts. Um, but like new mutants two 
definitely not going to happen. Uh, you know, another another X-Men movie after Dark Phoenix, definitely not going to happen. Uh, the Silver Surfer movie doesn't have a director, doesn't have a cast, it doesn't have anything. It's just they're just writing the script at this point, which means unless they fast-track this just so Fox, for whatever reason, could, like, force Disney to make this, which doesn't make any sense. Um. Well, like, unless you're like employees and your business is closing down and it's like a fire sale for everything, green light everything, right. put everything into production because it will never see the light of day once things close. Right, which like I I get from Fox's perspective, they can't just be like, well, we're in negotiations to be bought. Yeah. Nobody come to work. Nobody <laughs> write scripts. Nobody develop movies. You right. have to do that because you don't know how long this could take. This deal could fall apart and then you're left, oh crap, we haven't done any work for nine months Mm -hmm. now we don't have any movies for two years like you could be left in that where you have to just rush some crap out into theaters or you know you still work on this deal falls apart and that way you still have stuff that you can still make while the deal is being reworked or going through regulatory issues or whatever it may may happen uh there you have to continue to develop these and act like you're still going to make movies right i just don't think many of these will happen in the way they're currently being intended to be made. Yeah. Plus they're just, some of them are terrible ideas. Yeah. Silver Surfer is bad. Don't do it. Okay. Um, Speaking of, I think bad news. Oh boy. New mutants. According to that same Howard reporter article, um, we know it's go up. It's going to go upcoming reshoots. Now it's been delayed a year. Um, And in that article, the Howard reporter revealed that new mutants is not only going to undergoing, going to do major reshoots, but it's going to add a completely new character to the film. I'll tell you what, Josh. This movie is supposed to be a horror movie. Yes. And I am scared. Oh, boy. I am scared <laughs> out of my mind for this movie <laughs> in a terrible way. <laughs> because now this movie was my number five mm-hmm. most anticipated movie of 2018. I remember. And then they delayed it. And yes. I was like, okay. A whole year. A whole year. Don't love that. But I hope it's still gonna work out good. Mm-hmm. But now they just like go like, uh, to me this says something. This movie is missing something major, or they know they're not gonna get sequels, so they're like, well, I really want to do this character arc, or we're setting this up and we're not gonna be able to finish it, so let's throw it in now and reshoots because we're gonna reshoot for six weeks anyways. Let's get a new character. Yeah, which is just a terrible idea. It tells me this movie's a mess. It tells me that. Delaying it a year is probably a good idea because if it came out in April in its current form, it probably wasn't going to be any good. But also, it tells me that if this that if the Disney deal closes early, I don't think this movie even hits theaters. They just put it on their streaming service. Ooh. Get, just wash it away. Ooh. They wouldn't just put it on streaming they, service. They just moved that Anna Kendrick uh, oh, Noel movie to the streaming service. I am so angry about that. Thank you for bringing that up. Let me let me just say, I have been looking forward to this Christmas so movie too. because I thought it was going to be ready for this year because they announced yeah. it like two years ago. But Her and Bill Hader being the... Uh, elves that come bring they're, Christmas they're, joy to no, people. They're, they're Santa Claus's children. Oh, okay, yes. And the, uh, Noel, I mean, it just all everything from set looked incredible and it looked hilarious and it's going to end up on a streaming service that I'm going to have to pay eight bucks for or 10 bucks or you're going to pay bucks. for that streaming service. I know, anyways. but it's still angry because I wanted that. I wanted the, I wanted the physical movie and I wanted to 
put it up there with my 20 other Christmas movies that I watch. Wow, you're already planning to buy it on Blu-ray, regardless. I, it, it sounded terrific. I think Billy Eichner even had a cameo in there, too. Um, anyway, but yes, super upset. New Mutants deserves to be on the big screen, and I, they have already sunk $90 million, $80 million, $60 million into the project. Um, so there's no way that they are going to say, oh, let's just toss that on the streaming service because that is way too much. Mm, I don't know. Bob Iger said that like the streaming service is going to be used to push movies out that any movie Disney makes basically that's under $100 million budget, streaming service. Oh. That's that. At least that's maybe not every movie, but that's they're planning to put like four or five original movies on the streaming service every single year, mm. with all of them being under hundred million dollar budgets. And I think if New Mutants falls into that, and it's inherited from Fox, and they don't want to confuse people, be like, oh, it's part of Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it has the Marvel Studios logo on it or the Disney logo or whatever, they can just pop it onto their streaming service, roll it out, be like, okay, here was the, this nice fun. You know, what if scenario, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it, no, I mean, it matters because I, I, I'm, I'm terrified too now. Um, and I wasn't, I was, I was <laughs> just going to say, hey, calm down, man. They're just putting Logan in the film or something like that, you know? Um, but yeah, this, now, now I'm actually worried. And I hope that's not the case. And I hope you're dead wrong. I hope so too. Um, I want you to be, uh, I still want you to be my, still yes, my top five next sure. year. Me too. And I just, uh, I, I hope that is, I, I just, I, I want to believe that what Boone and Fox wanted to add to this movie was so essential that they said, let's just push it a year, Mm -hmm. put it in the can, let it sit there for eight months or whatever, you know, because it's not going to take them that long. And then they'll do the hype, they'll do the buildup and we'll have a great standalone X-Men film. And yeah, maybe it's because they're, they wanted to get demon bear in there right away. Um, Hope they already included him. That's kind of like their big pitch was oh, Demon Bear, right? <laughs> and they already teased it too, didn't they? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So um, they so they vanquished. forgot to do that. It's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> right. They did the whole movie. Forgot to do Demon Bear. Um, like I knew something was missing. <laughs> we forgot the villain. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, I hope that's not the case. But I, I just. I'm no, I'm just in a frenzy now. Let's go to the next. Can we go to the next? Yeah, I'm just in so, a tizzy. Uh, moving on from X Men, going back to the Marvel Mac Universe, real quick. Deadline revealed this week that human star Gemma Chan has joined Captain Marvel as Kree scientist slash spy Captain Minerva. Will she be a friend or foe? The Kree are the good people. We think Jude Law is a Kree, right? Yes. So he's probably the good guy. Uh, Ronan was a Kree in Guardians of the Galaxy. <clears throat> Granted, he was like this, like the rogue Ronan. Yeah, a little bit rogue and the like mad, anti, like ah, oh, the Kree. Oh, you guys are doing this all wrong, right? You guys have spurned he's, us. He sounds like Bert or Ernie from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey guys. Uh, <laughs> no. But so, but he's different. He was like the evil one, the one that yeah. conquered the world. The, these Jude Kree Law's are like, good, and yeah, and plus this is like. 10 years earlier. So maybe, are we going to see Ronan show up in some kind of I, like, I, I think so. That I think would be, be cool. awesome to see him like, because like if this is the Kree scroll war, which they're saying it is Ronan should be like this big, bad, not like the big, bad, but he should be this big, bad general of like mm-hmm. the Kree arm being like, you guys go fight these scrolls. You guys go fight these scrolls. I'm going to use my giant hammer and go crush this scroll's head. And it's like, right. yeah, that'd be awesome. Plus then we see Ronan again in gardens of the galaxy. It's like, Oh, that guy's dope because I saw him destroy all these these scrolls in Captain Marvel. 
who knows if that's going to happen. But uh, yeah, I think Captain Marvel, I mean, she has, she's like basically an equal to Captain Marvel almost in terms of like, you know, she has, uh, I mean, she's crazy, so she's, she's powerful, but as a scientist spy, I mean, who knows how that's going to work into it. Uh, I think she'll, she would align herself more as a friend because they're going to be fighting on the same side, it appears. But at the same time, it could be like a friendly rivalry where she's like, uh, Captain Marvel, why are you here? You're not even a real Kree. Yeah. Uh, get out of Get off my lawn. This is my, this is my territory. Right. I am the number one understudy of Jude Law's character. Right. Marvel. Yeah. I knew I was going to get it. Um, so, and then scrolls can shapeshift, right? Yes. So she's a spy that she's got to be a spy to blend in and fight with. Or fight against yes, the shape-shifting scrolls. So that all makes sense. The scientist part, genius. Got it. Um, Emma Chan, I haven't seen her in anything. Humans is on... It's on AMC. AMC. I'll definitely get to jump into that. I know she's got a role in Crazy Rich Asians coming up. Um, but sounds excited. Yeah. Uh, and then additionally, the screenwriter Gina robertson Jorette told EW this week that the movie is an action comedy. Basically saying that like the more she wrote the script... Um, after Tomb Raider, she was writing Tomb Raider, the movie became more and more serious. When she was writing Captain Marvel, the movie became more and more comedic, uh, which I think is a good sign, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brie Larson is funny. She can be funny. I mean, people know her probably most from Room because she I mean, they won her an Oscar. But at the same time, you know, 21 Jump Street, she's yes. hilarious in. She's in the league for a couple of episodes, and she's so funny in that. Um, she's in she's in comedies, and I mean even like twelve short term or short term twelve, uh, you know that's a that's a deep movie, but she still gets some lighthearted moments and all of that. Um, uh, you're leaving out they're probably I know, I know her I'm, best. I know I'm forgetting one. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Yes. Um, and also a small role in Trainwreck as well. I think she's also in Community for a couple episodes. Um, oh man, I don't remember. I haven't seen but I don't, community, but yeah, me neither. But I, I think I saw it on her credits, and so yeah, I think it makes sense. I mean, being an action comedy, sure. I would. I hope they don't go too comedic because if they're going like Kree Scroll War, this should be like you know kind of yes, a little more serious. I think Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, the directors, are more serious directors than they are comedic directors. Um, so I want them to, you know, hone in on that that angle and go for with their strengths rather than oh let's make the you know Thor Ragnarok was great let's make this just a comedy too like I don't want that yeah uh, but she was saying that she's more like sassy and kind of a smart act like she's in the comics not just like a quippy jokester mm-hmm. so I th- hopefully that's all you know good PG thirteen Deadpool that's what I'm thinking but not like Deadpool interesting Captain Marvel. Okay, I but know, no I fourth wall breaking. I wouldn't agree with that comparison. Which takes which takes away the entire comparison <laughs> so, so, when you think about it. So she's just a female superhero that cracks jokes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, reluctant to take up the mantle, perhaps. Maybe that could that could be part of it. Um, last bit of news here, real quick here. Uh, Rick Famuyiwa, who I'm a huge fan of, after directing Dope, he joined two projects this week. One coming from the Hollywood Reporter, where they said that he will write and direct an adaptation of the graphic novel Black Hole, uh, where kids in the 1970s get a strange sexually transmitted disease <laughs> known as the bug, which mutates them in various ways, leaving the community to kind of figure out what's going on, how to fix it, uh, etc. And then Deadline revealed that Famuyiwa is also going to direct Past Midnight for Netflix, an original vigilante superhero movie produced by the Russo brothers 
and they are looking to cast Keanu Reeves as the star. If you had to choose one of these to see over the other, which one are you going with? But also, are you on board for both of these? Um, I'm taking the Alien STD movie over whatever else that thing is. Uh, the past midnight the yeah past movie? midnight right because that's just that just sounds like rick family having fun it sounds like dope being imported and altered and changed into science fiction and that it just sounds so stupid i love it <laughs> um uh that's, that's that's the movie we need right now um netflix doesn't need another superhero movie or action hero film right 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 now i disagree but i mean well okay let me rephrase that they need it but i can wait for that on Netflix. What I can't wait for is this adaption of this graphic novel. Of course, I can just get the graphic novel and be pacified and then just you right. know, go just either wait. way. But this is the that just sounds like it's the perfect foil for Rick Famuyiwa. Um, but either way, this is great. Yeah, I think personally I'd rather see Past Midnight first, even though I think everything about Black Hole sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what kinds of kids you need for this or characters or whatever, but you know, if right. you could himself back up with uh shameek moore mm-hmm. the star of dope i'm all there for that um but also i mean rick famua great director the joe and anthony russo are great talents them producing a movie is gonna catch my eye but then you get keanu reeves star as a vigilante superhero movie on netflix that's a lot of reasons <laughs> to see this movie uh especially since it's an original concept i think it will hopefully be something interesting i think both projects family will be able to do his um socially conscious stuff with where he he's he's, you know he wants to make statements with his movie that's one of the reasons he couldn't do flash Mm -hmm. was because there'd be like sorry rick we just can't right we can't make this movie have we talked about his 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 subtweet his subtweet shade throw but but that made me love him even more yeah absolutely it's Uh, it's the ultimate i told you so it it really is um and so i think past midnight could be really fun it could be really cool and i think either way neither of these projects are going to start filming not tomorrow because i mean that's improv that's impossible Mm -hmm. but also keanu reeves is going to start shooting john wick 3 soon so they're going to have to wait on that to get him on board if he even gets on board to begin with but then also you know black hole he if he still has to write the script still has to cast go through all development pre-production this movie's a couple years away so it looks like past midnight has more uh assembled so far and since i'm dying to see more of what rick famio does i want him to do something quick we're not quick but terrible but i want to see him as soon as possible and i think past midnight is the best way for me to have that happen has he not picked up a project since dope when he picked up flash (laughs) they got dropped right and then he was like in the mix for bumblebee he was in the mix for uh a bunch of like he's he's continued to be in the mix for all this stuff yeah he's done like a couple of tv show uh episodes he did he did like an hbo movie or something the he did the pilot of chai for showtime yeah but like I want to see him, you know, I want to see his yeah, feature again. For sure. I mean, the dude's name's been in the mix for everything. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, now's the time, everybody. Right. Like, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not going to accuse anyone of like, you know, tokenism or anything like that. But his name was thrown around in everything, mm-hmm. it yeah. seemed like. Um, so finally Which, glad something solid is right. coming underway. Because like, you know, we talked about this when F. Gary Gray did 
when he got Men in Black, it's like, why did it take a studio a year to pin uh, F. Gary Gray onto a project? Like, he just, he was the first director to ever do a billion dollar movie. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think I even threw out FAMUA's name. Like, if Frank Cooler doesn't come back for Black Panther 2, FAMUA would be a great choice, I think, to direct that because he could do the political stuff, the social stuff, oh, yeah. um, but also have the comedy, have the action, have the characters. Um, but if he does either of these movies instead, totally on board for that as well. So uh, that is all the news we have for this week. Before we sign off, Josh, what are we going to do next week? We are going to, I mean, I don't have a pun for wrinkle in time, but it's wrinkle in time. We're going to throw a wrinkle into the schedule. Y- yes. There's a, there's a wrinkle in the schedule. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's not, not it's not my best joke. We need to be, yeah, <laughs> I got to write these better. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, Storm Reed, I'm hearing, is incredible, even though we don't have reviews or anything just yet. Mm-hmm. There's, okay. there's reactions out there. That's right. Um, and they're all glistening for her. But there's also Juju Mimboth Ra is in here. Chris Pine is in there as well. Mindy Kaling, Zach Galifianakis, and... Michael Pena, Oprah Winfrey. Yes. Reese Witherspoon. Gosh, that's a lot of people. Yeah, it's a big cast. Woo. I mean, I, and I mean, directed by Ava DuVernay. Absolutely, and I am, I'm actually, and listen, I, I was not excited for Peace Dragon. I was not excited for even Spielberg's kid BFG. movie, BFG, at all. Turns out it's great. But this, I'm just genuinely excited for. It's full of a bunch of great actors and cast, and um, it looks as weird and difficult to understand as the book. So yeah. I'm, I'm for it. Yeah, that's what I've seen a lot from the reactions is A Wrinkle in Time is like, the most unadaptable book ever. And Ava DuVernay still was able to somewhat pull it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I've seen people posturing why there aren't more reactions to this movie. Cause more people have seen it right. and it's been very quiet. And I think it's, they're basically thinking, are you guys just not uh, harping on this movie because it's directed by Ava DuVernay, who everybody mm-hmm. loves, uh, or is it just because it's a diverse cast or is it a, diverse director or it's a big studio movie that pushes diversity or whatever it is there's been like this almost this almost hesitancy conspiracy right the re- to review, react to it right the review embargo versus the rotten tomatoes score theory mm-hmm. of depending on how early you let the reviews out there um is how confident you are that the yeah. rating score will be and i've seen a few people posit that online yeah like um, wrinkling times i think it's supposed to be like tuesday or wednesday yep before the movie comes out so like a two to three day window which typically points to like a movie in like the 30s or something rotten tomatoes so well we don't know what's gonna happen i definitely don't have as much confidence in it as i did as i would have a couple weeks ago just because there hasn't been that glowing review for it yet there's just been a lot of they 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 tried they really? did their best. Oh, that's boy. that's the that's that the yet. sentiment I keep. I feel like I'm getting for this movie so far. Um, but I'm a big fan of Ava. I'm a big fan of pretty much everybody in this cast. And I thought the visuals and the trailers looked really cool. So I'm still holding out hope. Still gonna go see it. We're gonna review it next week. Hopefully, it'll be a good movie. But you'll have to obviously come back next week and find out. Because see it, so you guys can join in that conversation. We'll also be back this week with a new big question where we are going to discuss what is our most anticipated DCEU movie that they have coming up. So there's a couple of contenders. Um, 
just a couple of news items we want to get to, but weren't super newsy, but we can kind of throw them in there as we discuss. So uh, we'll be sharing our thoughts on which one we're most looking forward to. Share your thoughts with us so we can know, you know, which one you guys are itching to see. But, you know, you'll have to tune in, see where we land, why we land there, and discuss all of the movies that they're having development at this point. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, head over iTunes, give us a five-star review with comments. Be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered by tweeting us at Friends of Film. You can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh? Never let Warren Beatty near a mic at the Oscars again. And be sure to turn next week for our review of A Wrinkle of Time. <laughs> <laughs>